Well, good morning. I'm I'm pleased that you guys are all here, able to brave the smoke to come out and um, just kind of hear hear uh, the words that we have to share with you. We're just glad that you guys are here, and we hope that this food pantry is meeting some of your needs um, as we go through these crazy times that we find ourselves in. Uh, so I'm gonna open with prayer. We'll go through our lesson. And then from then on, I'll give it back to Cecilia, and she will tell us all what to do. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning, Lord. God, I thank you for the people that you've uh, divinely chosen to be here today, God. You brought them here for a purpose. Um, thank you for the workers that are here, God. Thank you for this opportunity to be able to get to uh, share about your son. Um, to our friends that we've met here through this food pantry, God, we thank you for the blessings that you've provided to us, uh, not least of which is the food that you give us comes directly from you, Father. We thank you for so much. Amen. All right, so I'm going to be teaching out of uh, Second Tim- uh, First Timothy, excuse me, and I'm going to go over First Timothy 2, 5 through 6. So I'm going to read through the verse, and then we'll just kind of move through, through some notes, and then we will be done. So it says, uh, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. And so I underlined a few things and I noted something I want to make sure we talk about before we jump in real fast. So we're talking about here that for there is one God. Now I want us to be able to have that as kind of our foundational point. Because the way that we're going to be talking about Jesus is if we're not careful, we're going to start to think that he's somehow different than God the Father, that he is something different other than God. Okay? So our foundational belief here is that God is one being and that that God is manifested in three persons, the Father, okay, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we're, we're talking about one God here, but then we're talking about one of his uh, personages in the form of Jesus Christ, the Son. And we're going to see uh, what the Son does for his people. I okay? also wanted to make sure that we're clear here. Um, that word men here is not just referring to dudes, but it is referring to all mankind. It's the Greek word um, anthropoi, which means humankind. Okay, so this isn't just for the guys. This is for all of us. Right? Um, and let's get into it. So what is a mediator? In order for us to be able to grasp this, this text today, we're going to have to have a clear understanding about what a mediator is. Well, a mediator is one who settles peace between two warring parties or two parties that are having a disagreement. We might have we helped friends who are arguing over something to help them settle it so that they remain friends. Sometimes there might be a mediator who settles a dispute between an employer and an employee. I, uh, Cecilia told you guys I'm a teacher. I'm constantly mediating between knuckleheads in class. They're arguing over erasers. They're arguing over the ball. They're arguing over who gets to open the door. So that idea of a mediator is one who comes in between two parties in the middle of a disagreement and helps them resolve it. However, mankind needs a special mediator. Okay? Due to the circumstances that sin, has, that sin has wrought in humankind, we need a very specific and very special mediator. It cannot just be one of us being able to, um, to reconcile us to God. So why would we need a mediator? Why do we even need one? The division that exists between us and God due to Adam's sin in the garden makes it impossible for us to be reconciled to God 
if it were up to us to repair it. So left to our own devices to try to fix the gap that is between each, each of us and God, we could not do that. We would not even be interested in wanting to do it. God can only punish sin. The Bible says that God hates all evildoers, and we see that in Psalms 5.5. 5. Man can only sin left to his own devices. All men are evildoers. We see that in Romans uh, we see that in Romans 3 verses 11 through 8. So we have this gigantic problem. We are on one side, God is on the other. We are rebels to what God has for his creation. All people are condemned due to the sin nature that's in all of us. You, me, anyone that is outside of Christ Jesus is already condemned. Everyone in this room, all of us need to be forgiven for the sin that we have done, are doing, and will do. God must punish all sin that we have, that all sin that we are doing, and all sin that we are committing. We need a mediator to bring peace to this relationship between God and ourselves. Jesus is the only one who can do that. God cannot just let sin go. That, that would violate his character to just allow evil to happen or to sweep it under the rug or to just like close his eyes and pretend that it doesn't exist. He has to punish sin. Sin is a direct assault on the character of God and he cannot allow that to stand. We can only sin as fallen people who are not saved. Even the good things that we do are done out of motives for ourselves or, oh, if I'm super nice to you, well, now you kind of feel obligated. You have to help me in something that I want. We, sin so covers us, it makes it almost, it, it, we can't even see it until, until Christ Jesus opens our eyes. And even then, after that, it take, it, there's just things that are in our lives that we just don't see because we're so used to living with it. What allows Christ to be our mediator? So we obviously need something to reconcile us with God. God can only punish sin. We can only sin. We would never choose God on our own. So how does that reconciliation happen? We know it does. And that comes in the personage of Jesus as our mediator. Jesus is 100% God and Jesus is 100% man. We live in a temporal world like uh, that's inside of time and that is physical. So for us, how can, how can a being be 100% this and 100% that? You can only be 100% of something. There's, I'm not 200% of something. I'm not 100% me and then 100% of something else. But when, when we are talking about Jesus and we're dealing with God coming into this world, he is 100% God. So Jesus has always existed. He was never created by the Father. He has always been God, Him, the Father, the Holy Spirit, all three personages of one being from eternity's past to eternity's future. When Jesus, so He was 100% God, so we, so we know that. When He comes to earth and He, uh, the Holy Spirit conceives Him in Mary, at that moment, He's 100% human also. At the same time, he didn't give up being God. He wasn't just a man when he was here, but he was still 100% God and 100% man all at the same time. Does that sound confusing? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's hard for us to understand that. Okay. 
Theologians call that the hypostatic union. I'm just giving you that just so if you've heard it before, oh yeah, I heard that. Great. If you hear it again, oh, I remember Steve was talking about that one Saturday. Um, it, uh, the hypostatic union teaches that Jesus had a full divine, or a fully divine nature, so being God, and at his conception in Mary, uh, by the Holy Spirit, a fully human nature. This full human nature is without original sin. That's the that's the thing that separates his birth or his conception from the, all of us. All of us had a human father. Okay, that human father when uh, we were conceived. He passed on that original sin to us. So even as we were conceived and developed and then we were born, already had original fallen sin, even if we hadn't committed a sin there. Jesus, not being conceived by a human father, but rather the Holy Spirit, is without original sin. No other human ever could say this. We all have human fathers who passed down to us original sin, and the original sin makes us all, makes us all rebels to God. Yet Mary, being his mother, gives Jesus a full human nature. He had a full human nature. There, he still does. There is no time from that moment of conception that he was not fully human. So what does Jesus do as our mediator? Jesus accomplishes much as the mediator between God and man. Being without original sin, Jesus is able to keep the law that no other human could, could keep. He kept all the moral laws. There was never a time that he lied to his mom. There was never a time that he stole something from someone. There was never a time that he was that he dishonored the father. There was never a time that he did a single sin. At all times, he was 100% obedient and 100% faithful to, to the father. This righteous life that Jesus lived is imputed to all who believe in him. His sinless life stands in the place for every single one of those whom he was sent to save by the father. So being fully God also allowed Jesus to take the full measure of God's wrath onto himself for his people's sin. So being fully God, he was able to withstand the full wrath that the father brought down uh, to punish every sin that was heaped on to Christ's shoulders. So if you're in this room and you count yourself as a believer, every single one of your sins that you've ever done, are doing now, or will do in the future has all been paid because they were put on Christ's shoulders and the father fully punished him. He didn't cut him any slack. He didn't say, oh, you're my son and I, I, I love you. So I'm not, going to, I'm not going to punish you as hard as I could. No, he gave, the father fully punished that sin. And Jesus fully could take that because he was God. He, uh, Jesus shows his love and his mercy by willingly dying in the place for his people. Being fully human, Jesus represents his people the way that Adam represents his people. So all of us who are born, all of us who are born have a sin nature because Adam and the Bible and the, and the theological idea here is what's called federal headship. He's representing a group of people. Adam represents all of mankind. He fell. That affects all of us. Jesus being the federal head of all the, uh, of this new covenant that he's made with that has been made between the father and the son and the spirit he represents all of us so the same way that we might think hey that's not cool that i didn't commit that sin but now i'm in trouble because of what someone else did that same thing is a blessing to all those who are in christ jesus because you're reaping the benefits that only christ could pay for you you couldn't pay for it christ did you get the benefit of his work on the cross 
So for those who look to Jesus as mediator, you ha- we see several amazing benefits from that. One, you're alive in Christ. You are no longer dead in your sin. You are at peace with God. You are no longer a warring faction. The mediator has, has, has mediated between you and the Father. You are now not an enemy, a rebel to him, but you are adopted. Okay? Jesus fully and completely mediates for you personally. Jesus sits at the Father's right hand interceding for his people, among which, if you are saved, is you. You're fully made righteous. You can do nothing to add to or to lose or to keep your salvation. You're incapable of losing it because no part of it comes from anything that you did anyways. It was a free gift that God gave to you. So he's the only one that can keep it. And it says, and it, and the Bible's clear that once you are a believer, you don't lose that. God, God keeps that for you because he's the only one that could. Left to our own devices, even saved, we would mess up. We would sin again. We, if we could lose it, we would lose it. But Jesus, it, Jesus keeps that for us. You're fully adopted into God's family. You're a son or a daughter of God and a fellow heir with Christ. You will also experience sanctification for the rest of your earthly life. Sanctification is this, this uh, process that starts the moment you're saved and it, and it gets completed at the moment you die, in which God is continuously working on you and shaping you and growing you to be more conformed to the image of his son. Again, that's not something you can do. You're, you're along for the blessed ride. But you can't make that happen. At, you get to experience it and you get to grow in it. And as your obedience happens, you see it and you feel it more and more. But again, it's done by the Holy Spirit. He's doing it for you. You're now able to choose to not sin. Although you will not always be obedient. And upon your death, you will be incapable of sinning then. So even those of us who are here that are saved, that we count ourselves as, as servants to the king, we will still sin. My wife is here. She knows that, that I will sin. That cute little baby that y'all got to see, at some point, he's going to sin. Like, even if he's saved, and, and my, my fervent hope is that at some point that he is saved, he will still sin then. All of us will. But we know that there is a time where that will, will, that will cease. You will, it will be impossible for us to be able to sin. So for those of you who are here that don't look to Jesus as the mediator, You are currently dead in your sins. You're fully accountable for every sin that you've done, are doing, and you will do. You should be very afraid of this. The God of the universe is your enemy because of your rebellion. There's no way around that. I can't sugarcoat that to you and be like, oh, Jesus Jesus hates the sin, but not not the sinner. No, the Bible is clear. God hates all evildoers. You are in open rebellion, but there is forgiveness at the cross. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ can save even to the uttermost, the Bible describes, as in all those that he, that he is sent here to save will be saved. There is nothing that you've done that is so over the top that God cannot redeem you for that. You are, you are, you are not so far gone of, oh, I've done this so horrible thing. No. The Bible is replete with sinners saved by grace who have done horrible, terrible things. Murders, rapes, violence against the very church that God is using in this world. All are saved. If you are in this room and you count yourself saved because you look at your life and, 
and you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and you are in obedience to him and you love him and your desire is to, is to do his will. Amen, brother, sister. Like we're going we're gonna to see each other in eternity. If you cannot say that about yourself, God, I pray that you come to me or Ron or any of the other people who are serving here today and talk to us because today is a day of salvation. Repent, believe. I thank you guys.